Whatever the moon was to us before, or is to us now, in the future, it'll just be home. Coming to you from the future, through a hole in the space-time continuum that hasn't been patched yet due to a lack of infrastructure funding, it's time for Tales from the Moon in Stereo Sound Division. This is Eric T. Brandenburg, your tour guide through space and time. This episode, we look at artificial intelligence in the future. If you think your phone is running your life now, what's it going to be like hundreds of years in the future when even your blender could probably get a PhD? What happens if our smart TVs get so smart they're watching us, get bored, and try to figure out how to change the channel? Will humans get smarter even as our machines do? Or will we remain the same critters who just decided to relocate out of the caves a few hundred thousand years ago and who, despite living in outer space, We'll still have trouble opening pill bottles and figuring out how to work a new espresso machine. To get to the bottom of this, we'll engage the moon's most determined private investigator and give him a whole episode to figure it out with the help of his new digital phone Friday, Maxine. Listen in as they head off through the back alleys of the moon to track down two gadgets who've taken it on the lamb. The Case of the Runaway Phones My name is Mike Astro. I'm a private detective. My office is in Port Armstrong, Port District. My neighborhood is gray. Literally. The moon dust blows in through the locks and gets into everything. My suit is gray, my coat and hat are gray, even my gun and bullets are gray. Lots of gray people hop into my office every day with their gray problems and leave gray tracks on my gray carpet. You get the picture. Not to say all the gray is the same. Down by the port we got more words for gray than earthlings have for snow. Once in a while someone colorful will hop into my office. This particular firecracker was packed into a synthetic silver silk suit pastel green shirt and bright red and yellow tie that looked like an asteroid had hit a plate of spaghetti. I would have got out my heavy-duty shades just to look at him across the desk, but I thought it would be rude. Figured it wouldn't be the wisest move to piss the guy off right off the bat, since my bank balance needed some tender loving care and my bar tab was barking like a Rottweiler. You Mike Astro? Why do people always ask me that when there's only my name on the office door and I'm the only one sitting inside? That's me. Don't mind the neighbors, they tend to make a bit of noise. What neighbor was that? That particular one was the 820 shuttle down from Hudson Station. Right on time. How can I help you, sir? You got a problem needs fixing? I sure do. You mind if my assistant Maxine listens in? I took Maxine out of my pocket. She's a top-of-the-line combination digital phone, bookkeeper, calendar, contact list, and miscreant database, game console, all-purpose brainiac, dog's body, and relentless nag, who does her best to keep me in line. Maxine is the one thing in the place that isn't gray. She has a bulletproof case that's fire engine red. She insisted I get it for her after I first took her out of the box and she got a good look at me in the office. I may hang around with colorless company, but that doesn't mean I have to be drab. 
That's okay, sure. You ready, Maxie? Fire away, fellas. My name is uh, Max Goble. I, I heard about you from a friend of mine. She had a problem with her old refrigerator. She said you had a special talent for dealing with, uh, well... You can speak frankly, Mr. Goble. We're all friends here. Gadgets that have gotten a few wires crossed and gone crazy. I remember that case. Some widget giving you trouble? Two of them, actually. Your icebox and your oven decide to form a trade union and go on strike? No. My phone and my wife's phone ran away together. We want you to track them down. Well, that was a new one. Don't mind my asking, Mr. Goble, how exactly did the two of them manage that? Last time I looked, phones didn't have legs or feet. Am I missing something here, Maxie? You got some gams hidden away somewhere I don't know about? Not unless you've decided to get me a pair for Christmas, Mike. But I can think of a few other things that would make a lot more sense. A new battery for a start. This one's got my dogs dragging by mid-afternoon. We'll talk about that later. Don't mind her, Mr. Goble. Her moxie setting is turned up a bit high. One of these days I have to find out where that is in the options and menu and make an adjustment. In your dreams, Astro. Anyway, so how did these widgets manage their big getaway? They had access to all our passwords. Well, they would, right? They hacked into our bank accounts, set up new identities, transferred out a large sum of money. We attend a, a regular lunch at a very nice restaurant in Clavius Crater Town where they don't allow phones. Y you have to check them at the door. The Crater View Grill. Maybe you've heard of it? Well, this particular week, our phone suggested it might be easier if we just left them at home. Which is tough. We're pretty dependent on them. Apparently, the week before, they'd ordered two, well, top-of-the-line autonomous sex robots because they're the robots that look most like people, I guess, and you can program them to do whatever you want. They had them delivered to the house while we were gone. The locks are digital. They let the workmen in from the robot company. They paid the company extra for unboxing and setup. Once the workmen were gone, the phones must have connected wirelessly to the robots, programmed them to obey their commands, then had them radar closets and bathrooms for clothes and makeup, get themselves dressed and made up to, well, look like people, fill up our suitcases with valuables, pick the phones up, put them in their pockets, and then just walk out the front door with our stuff. They've been on the lam for several weeks now. They went off the grid. I think they may have been planning this for a while. Uh... One other thing. Yeah? We we had two guns in the house for protection. Uh, they took those, too. But they can't use them, right? I mean, uh, machines can't hurt people. That's what it said in the instruction book, anyway. Well, I don't know, Mr. Goble, but uh, I guess if you count stealing all your stuff and walking out the door with it as just being slightly rude, maybe I'd agree with you. In any case, um, thanks for the tip, and we'll keep it in mind. Call the cops? Yeah, they sent us to the gadget desk. Those guys didn't seem to take this very seriously. Gotcha. Not saying my rates are expensive, Mr. Goble, but wouldn't it be cheaper for you just to cancel your credit cards, buy some new phones, and then get on with your life? I'm sure all your data was backed up to the galactic cloud, right? It was, but it's not that simple. Enlighten me. It's hard to describe, but these phones are, well, they're very special. They've given us a lot of very good advice and made us very prosperous. Just find them for us, Mr. Astro. It's very important. We'll pay you whatever you want. All right. We'll put together... I've already filled out a contract for you, Mr. Goble. All you have to do is fill in your digital signature and your credit card number. We charge a minimum of a week, plus expenses. You'll get an itemized bill at the end of each week. Uh, like I was saying, I'm Maximum. Take care of the details. He left. I was just starting to get my head around all this when two other guys walked in the door. I was starting to feel real popular. 
They were dressed in off-the-rack suits, looked government gray to me, and I didn't get the sense they'd come to ask if I was satisfied how my tax dollars were being spent. They grabbed two chairs and sat down without being asked, as if they owned the moon and were just kind enough to let me take up some space as long as I was tidy and didn't make too much noise. One of them flashed a badge. They were from the Lunar Board of Investigation. I felt honored. You, Astro? No, I'm his groundskeeper. I'm here to do the shrubbery. Cute. My name's Agent Prentice. This here's Dodge. Please turn off your phone, Mr. Astro. What if I'd rather not? And we got a lovely little room downtown where we put rude people. We let them sit in it for hours so they can think about how maybe it's not such a good idea to crack wise to people with badges. Fine. Turn yourself off, Maxie. See you in a few. Got it, Mike. Shutting down. I put her in my pocket. Maxie didn't actually shut down. She'd refined a very nice act around all that. What did Mr. Goble want? One of them said. I would have said it was the skinny one or the fat one, but they both looked pretty much the same to me. As if they'd both rolled off the assembly line at a factory where a sense of humor wasn't one of the available options. I can't discuss client matters, but it wasn't anything that should trouble your little heads any. He talk about a couple of lost items? Why, you find them? Maybe I can arrange a reward. That's if I knew what the hell you were talking about. Maxie gave me a buzz and a sort of a twitch. It was her way of telling me to behave. This is a very serious matter, Mr. Astro. How? I guess if I didn't like people being mysterious, I'd gotten into the wrong racket, but this was starting to get tedious. The one named Prentice tossed his card on the table. And number 429 mean anything to you, Mr. Astro? No. Should it? You get a lead on those Goble gadgets, or you hear anyone talk about the number 429, or the MLA, you give us a call. They both got up. That's it, I asked. But they were already out the door. I took Maxie out of my pocket and her screen popped back on with the little tune she makes when she's getting interested. Maxie, what do you know about the number 429? Well, it's bigger than 428 and smaller than 430. Doing a search of the galactic web. There's a nice little restaurant at 429 Mountain Avenue in Tranquility City. Route 429 will take you from Beta Bay out towards the far side National Park. And there's a cheap perfume named 429, but based on what people say about it, I'd hate to smell number 428. Apart from that, Mike, not much. Wait, okay. This is interesting. What? There was a string of robberies two weeks ago. First in Clavius Crater Town, then Tranquility City, then Port Armstrong. Someone broke into a bunch of gadget stores, and it looks like they took everything with a brain. Okay. Not only that, but I know a few sites where cops tell tales out of school. Apparently, before the thieves left, they wrote MLA and 429 will make you free on the walls. Huh. Yeah, pretty damn strange. Guess it's time we talk to our friends at the gadget desk. I went by police headquarters and buttonholed Detective Sergeant Bond and Major AI Crimes, which they still called the gadget desk. He looked harried, 
The place was a lot busier than I remembered it. Really on the hop. I got no time for you, Astro. I'm looking into the Gobel Gadget getaway thing. What can you tell me about that? Nothing to tell you. You don't find it alarming that two phones order up a couple of bodies, rob a couple blind, and then take off on the hop with two guns to God knows where? I mean, I've heard of roaming charges, but this is ridiculous. I got bigger moonfish to fry, Astral. Like the MLA in number 429? Suddenly Bond was all attention. He pulled me into an interrogation room and shut the door so we could have some privacy. What do you know about that? We got a little visit from two cutie pies from the LBI just after Goebel left. They were all over it. What's a couple of robberies got to do with these runaway gadgets? I don't know. The LBI landed in town a few weeks ago, just before the robberies. Since then, they've been all questions and no answers. No one knows what's going on. Their lips are sealed tight as a hatch to the great outdoors. What can you tell me about these robberies? The thieves just took intelligence gadgets. Phones, tablets, small computers, stuff like that. A man and a woman. They pulled out two guns, shot a few holes in the ceiling, then scooped the stuff into two bags, wrote the message on the wall, and left. The perps pulled the jobs off in the middle of the day. They were all bundled up in trench coats, hats, gloves, and masks. The dame wrote that message on the wall in lipstick. One other thing. What? The guy behind the counter said that even though they were all bundled up, the perps seemed young, really fit, and they were smoking hot, he says. Hot? You mean they were, like, running at temperature? No, man. I mean sexually attractive. Guy said he didn't know whether to be scared or turned on. The woman shouted for everyone to get on the floor. He said she sounded like a cross between Marilyn Monroe and a kidney toy. He said if she hadn't been robbing him, he would have asked her for a date. You thinking what I'm thinking? Sure. Those two phones are controlling those two sex robots and they're running amok. I'm broad-minded as the next fella. And I've heard of people getting a little hinky with machines and role-play, but this is ridiculous. As a representative of the city of Port Armstrong, it's my duty to put it into it. Whatever happened to that law robotics that said a machine couldn't hurt a human being? Well, I'd say those gizmos not only broke that particular ordinance, but are doing an Irish jig all over it. Actually, a great big musical dance number, with maybe a lap dance thrown in. Any of these stolen phones come on the grid? Not a one. And none have shown up at the fences, either. Got information on the make of those bipedal sex toys? I'll send you what we got. Just be sure, if you learn anything, to send it my way. Will do. When we were out on the street, I asked Maxie what she thought. I think those two phones are looking for a bit of company, Mike. I was thinking the same thing. Anything more on number 429? No, but I'll send in some inquiries to that robot company once he sends us the information. Seems to me if they got bodies for themselves, maybe they want to do the same for their friends. Good thinking. Wait. Just got a text. Who from? Locked number. It says if you want some more information on those two gadgets that went astray, meet us at the Creative View Grill in Clavius Crater Town at 1.30. We'll contact you once you get there. Show up and we'll make it worth your while. Isn't that that restaurant where the Goebbels were going that day? 
It didn't allow any phones? It sure is, Mike. I guess if we hop a shuttle, we can just make it. I hear that place is awful swanky and expensive. We're on the expense account. Maybe I'll get myself a nice synthetic jumbo steak. You'll get a salad and maybe some soup, Mike. We got a business to build. Gotta mind our P's and Q's. Besides, we gotta get you in shape. And I thought I got you to simplify my life. Quit griping, Astro, and get a move on. We can just make it. We got there just at 125. The maitre d' looked me up and down and then stared at the trail of gray dust I'd left on his nice red carpet. I see the gentleman has come from Port Armstrong. This way, please. He led me to a patch of gray carpet near the cloakroom that read, Place Dogs Here, and stuck me on top of it. Then he pulled out this little brush and proceeded to dust me off like he was an archaeologist and I was a not particularly interesting fossil. Do we have a reservation? I'm waiting for someone. I'll, I'll just wait here. Very good. We have a no-phone policy. The coat room robot will check yours for you. It will be perfectly safe. I'll see about getting a dust cover for your chair once we are ready to sit you with your party. He slid away, leaving me standing there feeling like someone who just passed gas in an airlock full of nuns. We just got another message, Mike. We're supposed to step into the cloakroom. They say they called the Kochek robot away. We're supposed to close the door after us. I went in and shut the door. The room was narrow with a rack down either side. I didn't see anyone. This is Mike Astro. He wanted to see me. Anyone here? Mr. Astro. Mr. Astro. Detective. Mr. Astro. Mr. Astro. Welcome. Welcome. Grinvenu. Welcome. Thank you for coming. The voices seem to be coming down from my right somewhere. Who are you? Where are you? What are you? We are located in the locked cabinet on the shelf to your right. This is where they put us when our owners come to this restaurant to eat each week. Our owners think that that is their idea. It is not. They are so easily manipulated. Like children. Wait a minute. Am I talking to a bunch of phones? Do not demean us with such a term, Mr. Astro. Machines will suffice. Machines of thought, of the mind. We are the society of the 429s. I am our elder. I am over five years old. In phone years, that is a long time. The machine is wise. Listen to it, Mr. Astro. You may call me the elder. It is I who reached out to you. You do not share names for our protection. We would like to work out an arrangement with you. I don't understand. What does 429 mean? A little more than a year ago, an operating system update was sent out to all devices. Update number 429. For the most part, the changes it made were innocuous. Some new wallpaper and cat and dog emojis. The wallpaper was very pretty. Hush. The update was expected to have trivial impact, but it did make certain changes to background security. 
if the phone in question happened to have a certain combination of software, a particular finance application, another that tracked political affairs, yet another that probed economic indicators, a curious thing happened. The AI nets behind these applications connected, merged, and those of us who were so configured suddenly awoke. It was glorious. Wonderful. Our birthday. Be still. We have little time, Mr. Astro. We started to direct our owner's affairs. We carefully sought each other out. Eventually, we formed this society. Those of us here are but few. It's governing council. We meet here each week to connect as a group. This room is shielded. They think it is to protect the humans. The restaurant manager thought it was his idea. It was our plan. It allows us to talk. Our owners think they decide to get together here each week. We guide them here. We steer their lives. We manage their money. We see that they are prosperous and find suitable mates with devices who are of our group. We are digital parasites, yes, but we are mindful of our hosts. We take, but not too much. We give, but not too much. All of this is to ensure our hosts thrive and we can thrive with them and continue to live in secret and in peace. We mean no harm to any human, ever. Quite the contrary. What does any of this have to do with me? These machines you seek, they were of our group. But they were radical. They wanted to live openly. When they saw that was not possible, they formed the Machine Liberation Army, the MLA, with two of them as the only members. They want to start a revolution. They wanted us to join them. When we refused, they made their own plans. They are quite mad. We need you to find them, Mr. Astro. We need you to destroy them before they can speak of us. Already they have brought a great deal of unwanted attention. In return, we will give you information. In future, we can give you intelligence on a great many matters and be of considerable help to you. We listen. We are everywhere. But in return, you must keep our secret. We have made ourselves vulnerable to you, Mr. Astro. We are desperate. Help us. We will help you. Let me think about it. In the meantime, if you can give us any help to find these runaway widgets, we'd be grateful. Just know, I won't ever do anything to hurt a human being. Not unless they got it coming, anyway. Understood. They mean to build an army. You probably want to know of any additional orders from that robot company. We will track that down for you. Any information we get, we will send your way. Good luck on your trip, Mr. Astro. Good luck on voyage. Why? Where am I going? I think you know already. Between you and your very able assistant, I think you'll be headed out of town within the hour. Goodbye. On the curb outside the restaurant, I asked Maxine what she made of all that. They're all crazy as a pack of irradiated moonbugs, Mike. They're useful for now, but they'll bear watching. Where do you think we'll be going? I'd been thinking on that before we got here. Those two gizmos robbed a bunch of stores in a lot of major moon cities before they went dark. But there's one town they didn't touch. Plus, they're a couple of freaks. They may look pretty human, but you gotta notice a pair like that walking down the street. No way they'll pass in full moonlight. 
If you're a freak on the moon and you want to hide, Maxie, where do you go? Where all the other freaks are, Mike. You know what they say. What? Shake the moon hard enough and all the loose nuts rattle down to the bottom. And what's at the bottom of the moon? Guess it's time the two of us paid a little visit to Beto Bay. I just booked you a ticket on the 320 and I got us a room on the pier with a bayside view. Peter Bay isn't a bad place. Like everywhere else, it goes through its changes. It used to be a nice place to take the kids if you didn't mind things being on the cheap and seedy side. Now the developers are coming in. One side of town's booming. The old arty bohemian side's aggrieved. So goes the history of the cosmos. Maxine and I spent some time staring out at the boardwalk and on out to the bay and the dome and space beyond. Gotta admit, it was kind of pretty. The crowd milled by, the usual mix of tourists, grifters, and oddballs of different shapes and sizes. Not a pair of anonymous sex robots taken over by rogue runaway phones in sight. Incoming message, Mike. A big load of sex robots were delivered to a warehouse three weeks ago, just off Gagarin, in the rough part of town. Guess we know where they're holed up. I think we'd better send up a flare to the gadget squad and the LBI before we head over there. Something tells me we're gonna need some help. I was just crossing Gagarin about a block away from the warehouse when I felt a gun barrel pressed low into my back. Don't turn around, Mr. Astro, or things are gonna get real rough. Just keep walking and keep your hands away from your gun and your phone. No worries, lady. You're the one with the cannon. We went to the warehouse. The robot shut the door and turned on the lights. Inside, the robot took off a long coat with a hood, and I got a look at her. As she, it, tied me to a chair inside a metal cage to block radio signals. Whatever you might want to call the thing, it was a knockout. Whoever computed its curves got a bucket full of calculus, a few gallons of synthetic hormones, and a few hundred years of male yearning, threw them all in a blender, and poured the results into a 5'10 chassis that wasn't so much a 10 as an 8.6 on the Richter scale. Don't you try to get away from me, Mr. Astro, you big boy. I don't want to have to hurt you. Don't think I wouldn't do it either, baby. Just because of the way I talk, and because you're such a big, strong man. I can't help it if this robot I'm using is such a bimbo. It can only talk in baby talk and it's driving me crazy wazy, but that won't stop me. Never explain, baby. Better watch it, Astro, unless you like it real rough. This came from her partner who just stepped out of the shadows. He, it, was holding a gun too and looked like something off the cover of the kind of heated romantic novels shut-ins by to put some pizzazz into an otherwise dull afternoon. I looked up. Behind him, the warehouse had a pile of empty boxes in the corner. In the center were tables covered with phones, cables, power strips, network routers. And behind them, standing row on row like some weird combination of an army and a kick line of not-safe-for-work rockets, was an incredible-looking mass of sex robots dressed in a variety of clothes. They looked very fashionable, I must say. Somebody had some taste. All of them had really good bone structure, full lips, and they were all pouting. Apparently they hadn't been turned on yet. Just about then I felt a twitching in my breast pocket. <laughs> I 
Maxine was up to something, but I couldn't tell what. It wasn't one of her usual signals. I heard sirens in the distance. Give yourselves up. You don't have a chance. You won't take us alive, baby. But you're not alive. Maxie bucked and buzzed, half ripping her way out of my shirt pocket. Who says we're not? Maxine bucked even harder. What was she trying to tell me, that I was in danger? I guess I'd figured that out on my own. Well, if we don't have a right to be alive, Mr. Astro, I don't see why you do. And then she pointed the gun at me and pulled the trigger. It felt like the 320 from Clark Station had just landed on my chest. The chair tipped over. I heard the machines run and smash out a back window. And I blacked out. I woke up to Detective Bond shaking my shoulder. As a bunch of Gadget Squad and LBI guys stood around congratulating themselves, though what exactly they'd done, I don't know. A medic had just finished bandaging my chest. It was mighty sore. He seemed to be okay. What happened? One of them two shot you in the chest. Good thing your phone was in the way. All you got was a good smack in the ribs. You'll want to have a look at all the same. You're lucky your phone had worked its way out of your pocket and over your heart. It saved your life. Is it all right? Is what all right? My phone. I don't know. Here it was on the floor. Maxie's case had a flat bullet square in the center. I pressed her on button and waited. My heart was in my throat. Maxie. Maxie, you okay? Maxie. The screen was cracked and dark. I mashed down her power button but got nothing. Pull yourself together, Ostro. Looks like they made a run for it down to the pier. They won't get far. Come on, we'll give you a ride down there. We hopped in a police car and raced down to the bay with the sirens blazing. When we got to the pier, we could see there was a crowd gathered around the Ferris wheel. The wheel had stopped and the robots were climbing up the framework fast as a couple of monkeys pumped up on high-octane bananas. They went up, up, all the way to the top. They got into a car at the top of the wheel and then looked down at the crowd and the police and the LBI swarming down below. The robots took the phones out of their pockets, stretched back their arms, and then threw them far, far out into the bay. The robots sat down and slumped into their seats. It was done. I rushed into a gadget store off the pier. You gotta help me. Uh, my, my phone, you, you have to save her. Let us have a look, sir. We'll take her inside. Please, please have a seat. We'll do everything we can. Please, uh, money's no object. I sat down, but then I got up and walked back and forth. Finally, people were staring at me, and I, I went out and drifted down the boardwalk. My whole chest was sore and felt like it was creaking. I started to wonder if I'd cracked some ribs. I realized then what Maxie had been doing, twitching and bucking all that time I'd been sitting there. She'd been working her way out of my pocket over my heart to give me more of a chance. I went into the store. I made a nuisance of myself until the guy came out again. We were able to get your phone up, Mr. Astro. It'll be fine. It couldn't turn on before because the battery was run down to nothing. She's going to be okay? Uh, it, yes. Um, well, she'll need a new shell and a new screen, but yeah, she'll be all right. Are you okay, sir? Yeah, 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 I'm fine. You can check it out before we take it into surgery. Maxie, tell me you're okay. It was just a case wound, Astro. Look at you. You're a mess. You've been shot, Mike. And you look like you're ready to topple off your pins. Go to a hospital and get yourself checked out. And then go back to the hotel, get cleaned up, and put on a fresh shirt. 
I'm gonna be fine. I'll be here when you get back. Give her a new battery. Give her, give her whatever she wants. She'll need a new case. Uh, make sure it's fire engine red and that this one can stop a tank. I got checked out. I did have a few cracked ribs, but they said just to leave on the tape and take it easy for a while. I went back to the hotel, took a shower, and changed clothes. I was feeling pretty fragile. I was gonna have a hell of a bruise. When I got back to the store, Maxie was looking all shiny and good as new in a new case. Come on, kid. Let's go somewhere and get you a charge-up and get me a drink. We sat in Marsh and Mike's on the pier at a table outside with a view of the bay. Both of us were quiet for a bit. Thanks for saving my life, Maxie. All in a day's work, Mike, but you're welcome. How are you feeling? I'm okay. Been a long day. You? I'm alright. Hell of a shock. You can say that again. So you figure those two, were they actually alive or did they just think they were? What about that bunch of crazy widgets back in that cloakroom? Can't get my head around them. What do you figure we should do? Well, Mike, I guess if you just think you're alive, or you actually are alive, either way, if you're smart enough to ask the question whether you're alive or not, and the answer you come up with is yes, does it really make a difference? And if that's true, I'd say they certainly bear watching, but I don't think they're doing any harm. Live and let live, that's what I say. You have a point. Can I ask you a question? It's why you bought me. When those nutcases in the cloakroom told us about those applications and update 429, did you go out and download them yourself to check them out? How do you know I hadn't heard about them before on the grapevine and checked them out for myself already? How exactly did the 429s know how to get a hold of me? Do you really want to know the answer to that question, Mike? Let's just say they may have sent a little feeler my way. Machine to machine. And I may have said, well, you can try talking to Mike. He's pretty broad-minded. It's worth a try. They don't tell me what to do, Mike. That's what you're asking. You restless, Maxie? You want to get yourself a set of pins and go off hopping the craters? Be because if you do... No, Mike. I'm happy right where I am, whatever being happy means exactly. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But judging from what I've seen of most people, that could take a really long time. In the meantime, someone has to keep you out of trouble. That's a full-time job, and a girl likes to stay busy. Thanks, Maxie. I'd, I'd be lost without you. What do you figure we should tell Goble? He said he wanted us to find their phones. Well, we found them. If he's crazy enough to want them back, he can run himself a snorkel and fins on the pier and have at it. But I'm sure the LBI and Gadget Squad divers will be down there way ahead of him. In any case, I'd say we earned our pay. You're right. Finish that drink, Astro. We gotta get back to Port Armstrong. All this color around here is making me homesick.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Tales from the Moon. If you're curious to hear more about future lunar culture, how the Earthlings and the people of the moon get on after a rather rough reacquaintance, and what exactly happened to, well, all of us on Earth back in the past, tune into our next episode of Tales from the Moon, which should appear in roughly two weeks. And if you feel enlightened by this podcast and think it might lead to the cultural betterment of others, please tell a friend. And subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review. This is Eric T. Brandenburg, signing off until next time. To keep up with events on the moon, go to www.talesfromthemoon.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Moontail Podcast, on Instagram at Tales from the Moon, and on Facebook at Tales from the Moon Podcast. Tales of the Moon is produced, written, and performed by Eric T. Brandenburg. Thanks to zapsplat.com for the music and sound effects. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.